The challenge is that great builders, great inventors, creators, challengers of the status quo often don't like and aren't great at keeping the trains running on top. And the bigger a growing organization gets, the more important it is for the new employees, the broad range of customers, and your vendors to be interacting with an organization where the trains kind of run on time automatically. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, hanging out yet another Monday. And this time, we're bringing a little bit of deep thinking for you. So sit back in your seat. Hopefully, if you're driving, chill out a little bit. We are putting Mike Payton in your passenger seat today. And he's going to be bringing us a lot of information about something called traction and the EOS system. We're super excited to talk to him. But before we do, as we do every week, we're going to break it down a little bit for you. And for that, we go to Brian with our quote. All right. Hold on to your uh, your headphones there, Nate, because this is going to be our longest quote by about 10 sentences. Brian's literally opening a book right now. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm opening the book Traction by Gino Wickman, which started all of this, the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial, operate, ugh, entrepreneurial operating system. Don't worry. I'll cut that out. I'm sure no, you I will. will. <laughs> An entrepreneur slips and falls off the edge of a cliff. On his way down, he manages to grab onto the end of a vine. He's hanging there a thousand feet from the top and a thousand feet from the bottom. His situation seems hopeless, so he looks up to the clouds and decides for the first time to pray. Is anybody up there? He asks. After a long silence, a deep voice bellows down from the clouds. Do you believe? Yes, replies the entrepreneur. Then let go of the vine, says the voice. The entrepreneur pauses for a second, looks up again, and finally responds, Is there anybody else up there? (laughs) (laughs) Gino Wickman from Traction. Oh, man, I was enjoying That was like story time with Uncle Burton there for a little bit. I'm I'm starting a side podcast gig where I just tell stories. Just read in a a low voice and put me to sleep. (laughs) I love it. It was good. It's good. No, what we're going to be talking about today is also good. And I mean that sincerely. Uh, This is going to be a podcast. This is going to stretch you a little bit. If you've never heard of Traction or EOS before, and this is all brand new to you, you might have to listen to this one a couple times until you start digging into it. And by no means is what we're covering here in the next hour going to be sufficient for you to actually understand it. There's half a dozen books that go into it in great detail. Uh, One of them is Get a Grip. And that is co-authored by Mike Payton, who is our guest today. And it is a story that explains how the concept of traction and EOS implemented into a business actually works. So uh, full disclosure, we are on the traction system ourselves. And we have found it to be very beneficial. 
we are implementing that throughout our entire business and have done so for years. And we are full believers in what it is. We have a local implementer. Shout out to Brian White. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, he's done so much for us in helping us to identify issues and, and put this whole thing into motion. And it's been a really great experience for us. Yeah, he, Brian White is our, our implementer for uh, traction in our business. And what that means is you, you get a hold of, of the EOS operation system, um, get a hold of the traction book, and then get a grip. And you'll contact them, and they will set you up with an implementer. And that is somebody who just walks you and in your, you know, you as the owner or manager and your team through this process. And I think they usually, they usually want you to go about two years and then start doing it yourself without an implementer. But you obviously have the opportunity to stay on with an implementer and, and we have chosen to do that. Sorry, um, Brian. I mean, Brian White. Yeah, we're, we're still sticking with you, buddy. Yeah, he's. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would. Uh, we're grandfathered into what we pay, so I think he would like to replace us <laughs> with somebody who would pay the new prices, but uh, not going to happen, buddy. Um, but we we actually chose to so far stay on with an implementer because we find it to be one. This is a person who knows this system inside and out. Like we'll probably never really understand it, and and then on top of that, it it is amazing how this person is willing and able to hold us in the management team accountable in ways that we, we probably, or at least we don't feel like we hold ourselves and each other accountable. And objective too, right? I mean, very objective. Right. He has nothing to uh, gain or lose by the, necessarily by the decisions made throughout. So it's all based on not what's best for Nate's ego or, you know, Brian's feelings in the moment, but pretty what sure best? you got that completely opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Nate's feelings and yeah, Brian's a lot, ego. A lot of feelings coming from Nate all the time. <laughs> uh, not as much as the ego Plenty coming from ego you coming, counterpart. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but it's, it's much more based on what's good for the team. What's good for the organization. What is going to get us to our goals that we've written out in our, you know, 39, 30, 60, 90, uh, even up to five year plan in our vision traction organizer. So the, the job of the implementer is just to make sure that everybody is staying on track and all, all people in the boat are rowing in the same direction. Yeah. Now, before you, as uh, you know, if you're driving, if you're a tech, a plumber, electrician, um, or, or anybody who would not consider themselves to be a manager before you just turn this one off and say, it's not for me, I really challenge you to stop that. Uh, you want to be listening to things that are drawing you up to that next level that are making you think about things in a different way and also giving you perspective uh, that maybe your boss or the leaders in your company have. And that, that can only serve to facilitate better conversations and better understanding. And so make sure that you, even if you're not considering yourself to be a manager or in some type of leadership position in the company, that you're still listening to this because we are planning on asking Peyton uh, specific questions that are, are relevant to you. How does this apply to you? What does this matter? Why is this a big deal? And why should I care about it? And we want to listen to those answers from Peyton because it's going to be kind of like sticking your toes in the water and, and, and feeling this out for what it could be in your organization. Now, on the flip side of that, if you are a leader in your organization and you are uh, in a place of decision or you have the opportunity to implement things like this into your business, definitely dig into this podcast. It's going to be something that could absolutely revolutionize the way that you run your show. 
Speaking of running the show, it's time for us to dig into our guest today and let us put in your passenger seat none other than author of Get a Grip, Mike Payton. Mike Payton is joining us today. He has spent a lifetime learning from entrepreneurs, and today he spends all of his time giving it back. He is an author, a speaker, host of the EOS Leader podcast, and a certified EOS implementer himself. Very specifically, he is passionate about helping entrepreneurs run better businesses and live better lives by mastering the simple concepts and practical tools he'll be sharing with us today. Payton grew up in a household full of teachers and entrepreneurs himself. He cut his teeth in banking then spent 10 years leading entrepreneurial companies before discovering EOS in 2007. He was instantly drawn to its timeless concepts and simple yet practical tools, and he became one of the first EOS implementers. Since then, he's conducted over 1,400 sessions for more than 140 different companies. He's co-authored the book Get a Grip with Gina Wickman, has spent five years as an EOS worldwide visionary and delivered more than 200 highly rated talks and workshops for entrepreneurs around the world. With that, welcome to the show, Mr. Mike Payton. Uh, great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on. Um, we lo- we're big fans of Get a Grip and everything, obviously, that you do in the traction world. Thank you very much. Thanks. All right. So, uh, a lot of our listeners, um, it just kind of set you up here for what we're doing today, uh, are coming out of the home services industry. So we focus on plumbing, electrical, HVAC, uh, people in the trades who are on the front lines, and then all the support staff that backs them up in the office on the phones and, and uh, you know in the accounting and all that stuff. So we have a very specific market of people that we're looking to. And I'm going to suggest that probably a, a fair amount of them are not familiar with what Traction is, who you are, or any of this stuff. So give us a little background about yourself and exactly why you think this is relevant to our industry. Yeah, you bet. Um, so qu- first of all, quite familiar with the industry, a couple of clients in that space. And, uh, you know, it's a really hot space right now, as you guys know better than anybody. It's sure very difficult to find great people, um, uh, the, you know, the the... The, the demand exceeds the supply, as they say, and that, that's always great. So, um, you know, traction is really what a company gets when it implements this thing called EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And, and EOS is just a complete set of simple concepts and practical tools cobbled together by my friend and business partner, Gino Wickman, about 25 years ago or so, uh, he discovered the need for a system for running an entrepreneurial company that would bring a little bit of structure, discipline, and accountability to that organization, help the leaders of a company get on the same page with a clear, simple vision, and help everybody in that organization execute on that vision with real discipline and accountability. So, for your uh, tradespeople and, and support staff working in these kinds of organizations, the difference between what it feels like to work in a company that's running on EOS, where the owners and leaders are 100% on the same page, crystal clear on where they're going and how they plan to get there, and good at communicating to the rest of the organization about those things, it's just easier to do great work every day and feel like you're being appreciated, respected, and valued 
than it is in an organization where maybe the owners and leaders aren't on the same page, aren't communicating very well, and and aren't involving the people who are doing the important work for the customers uh, in achieving the company's vision, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so full disclosure, our, our company uh, that Brian and I both work at right now, we actually are implementing the EOS system. We've been on it for several years now. We found it to be incredibly uh uh, financially beneficial, employee beneficial, leadership beneficial. There's oh, so many good family things. beneficial. I mean, I, I actually had L10s with with my wife and four kids for a little while. <laughs> the toddlers weren't great at it, but they're the visionaries, so that was fun. <laughs> they always gave a ten, so you know, it's yeah, yeah. I had to give a dirty look to my older two to get the ten, but we got it. <laughs> yeah, the, we I've used it at home as well, and and um, and my boys are a little older and. They definitely get tired of hearing me talk. So I just urge you to maybe let one of them facilitate when they're old enough to do okay. that. It might might even things out a little bit. That's good. That's good. Now, uh, just so the audience hears it, uh, your name is Mike Payton, but you often frequently go by Payton. So if we address you as that, uh, that's we're not talking about yeah, a third person totally, here. That would be my preference. And uh, and again, I'll try and remember when you say, Mike, that you're talking to me. So. <laughs> well, okay, Payton, if you could explain to us, you know, since a lot of our listeners are frontline people, um, you know, th- there's certainly owners that listen. There's certainly GMs and, and uh, managers that are part of this podcast as well. But if I'm on the front line, if I'm literally driving a truck right now and we've put you in their passenger seat, if you're the person riding along with them on today's journey before they get to their first call or whatever it is, and they're asking you, who are you and why should I even care? What's your response? <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, don't let me near a wrench or any other important tool. <laughs> I just want to make that disclaimer right now. Um, yeah, and don't tell your insurance provider because the casualty uh, rates are going to go away. <laughs> they already know you, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm on a lot of lists. Uh, yeah, so. the patent clause is actually in one of our that's contracts. Right, that's so. right, that's right, that's yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, we coined the phrase this morning. So, well, you know, so the first thing I, I would love to do in that situation is I just say, hey, with regard to your job, what's working and what's not working, right? This is, I, you know, my, my job is really to, have conversations with the people who own, lead, and work in these organizations so that we can smoke out the things that are holding you back, ticking you off, or, or slowing you down. Because I want the organization you're a part of to be a world-class team, a world-class organization. I want you to win whatever the Super Bowl is for your uh, organization or your industry. And so what I want to know is what makes it easy for you to do your job and rewarding and fun and what works against those things. And then when I'm working with the leadership team, my job is to help that leadership team know about what's holding you back, what's ticking you off, what's slowing you down, and help them work with you to equip you with the tools to solve those problems on your own. One of the crazy things that happens in an entrepreneurial company that's growing as fast as many of your listeners' companies are growing is that the people who started the business learned how to be successful by making all the important decisions and solving all the important issues themselves. And they often learn to let go of that desire to control those things 
when it's too late. And so EOS is just a mechanism for helping everybody in the organization feel comfortable getting their issues on the table, um, working with their peers and their manager or supervisor or team leader to solve their own issues as they arise. And I think that's probably one of the most profound differences you're going to see in a company running on EOS or a system like EOS in a company that isn't doing it is that you're empowered to get issues on the list and work with your peers to solve them. Uh, It's just a great feeling. So your business partner and co-author, Gina Wickman, in the original book, Traction, uses the illustration of letting go of the vine. Could you explain what that means? I think you were were getting into a little bit there with uh, the you know, people who start their business are often a little late to let go. Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, there's, there's, I'm not criticizing the people who start entrepreneurial companies. When I say that the reason most entrepreneurial companies succeed is because the, the founder, um, the person with the original idea or the person with the skill set they decide to leverage has taken a, whatever it takes mentality in order to build a successful business. It's hard. It's scary. You know, you're never off the clock, as it were. And any of your listeners who have been there or are there right now know exactly what I'm talking about. What happens as you grow and scale, though, is you want to surround yourselves with other people who are capable of taking an ownership mindset in the way they do their jobs. And it's important as an owner or leader of a business to let them own their own successes and failures. And that is scary as heck right? Because you've learned to be successful by doing it yourself over and over and over and over again. And so letting go of the vine is just an analogy based on a a joke that Gino tells way better than I do, uh, for the record, um, that that it's hard and scary, but you must let go of the vine if you're going to grow and scale a business. Yeah. So to kind of put that in shoe leather for our frontline people, imagine if you had an apprentice with you and you were training them to do a specific job that you wanted done a certain way every single time. And then there's the moment when it's actually their turn to do it and you have to let go. You have to let them that's do right. it. That's the concept you're well, talking about there. That's a hundred percent. And I, and the analogy I use in my life is my uh, father was very exacting about the way he wanted our lawn mowed to the point where he would, before I mowed the lawn every time, give me like hours worth of instruction. And so what ended up happening to me is I felt like it was his work. So when he gave me constructive feedback at the end, I was able to say back to him, hey, I just did exactly what you told me. I didn't own the result. If he had described the result he wanted and left me to my own devices to achieve that result, I would have been more motivated. I would have owned whatever result I got. I would have accepted constructive feedback. Um, And so that's the transition you've got to make from wanting to control the way somebody operates to wanting to give them the power to create a great result every time. Hmm. Okay. Well, speaking of results, let's, let's dig into what exactly the EOS model does employ. So uh, right now you're sitting in somebody's passenger seat and you've just heard them dump a whole lot of things that are holding them back, that are, are, are preventing them from getting to the next level that are frustrating their day-to-day life. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. So, um, 
just given a little history and context here, when Gino did that with the first group of entrepreneurial leaders that he was working with, he was a member of the Detroit chapter of EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization, and and he would have some fellow EO members bring their leadership teams into his session room, and he'd say, tell me what's working and what's not working. And the list of not working stuff tended to fall into six components or six categories when he heard them complaining about things that weren't working in their business. And those six things are now what we call the EOS model. And we believe every business is either weak or strong in these six things. And to the extent you're strong, you're running a truly great business. And so those six things are vision. Are you all crystal clear on where you're going and how you plan to get there? And is everybody 100% on the same page? Uh, people is the ability to attract and retain great people. And in order to do that, you need to define what a great person looks and feels like for your unique organization. And then hire, fire, review, reward, and recognize people in a way that attracts more of those folks and repels everybody else. Uh, the third key component is data. Are you running the business on a set of objective facts and figures rather than the subjective feelings, emotions, egos that so often drive the way we make decisions in entrepreneurial companies? Now, the fourth key component is issues the ability to solve your issues as they arise, set them up, knock them down, make them go away forever, rather than letting them linger for weeks, months, sometimes even years. And then the fifth key component is process, running the business on a handful of core processes so that everybody in the organization does the most important stuff the right and best way every time, even when you're not there to watch or mentor or coach or redirect people. And then the sixth key component is traction. Are you executing at every level of the organization with the proper focus, discipline, and accountability so you're achieving your vision quarter in and quarter out? Those are the six key components, and that's what a company implementing EOS is working to get better at. Yeah, I love it. And I'm sure we're going to dig into each one of those more in depth. Where would you start with my list of grievances as a frontline employee? Where are we going to start? Which one of those components is going to first address that? Yeah, I, I think I think if I were being selfish and I'm fully capable of that, uh, <laughs> I would start I would start with people. And in order to start with people, you have to start with vision. So those are the first two components we talk about for a reason. So one of the questions we ask the leadership team when we're strengthening the vision component, we ask eight questions and we work our butts off to ensure that they agree to every word of the answer to each of those eight questions. And so the first question is, what are the organization's core values? Mm. What are the characteristics or attributes or behaviors or attitudes? of the kind of people that you want to surround yourself with in this firm. And we help them discover and define those three to seven core values that are going to be cultural norms for the organization. And so it might be, you know, they hire for work ethic, curiosity, 
uh, enthusiasm and a, a genuine desire to serve the customer, right? right? Yep. As an employee, if I happen to know those are the core values of the organization I'm working for, and my team leader, supervisor, manager, or owner are looking for me to behave that way consistently, it's a heck of a lot easier for me to make a decision about whether or not I'm going to fit the culture of that organization. And then it's a great reminder of the way I need to behave even on my worst day, because we're all human and we all have lousy days. When you're crystal clear on core values, it's much easier to you know, pay attention to the cultural norms and perpetuate the culture of the organization you're a part. The other thing we do to help a, a leadership team clarify what it's looking for from employees is we ask them to clearly define what they're accountable for using a tool called the accountability chart. And so I can't tell you how many jobs I've had in my career where most of the jobs tended to fit in the part of the job description where the bullet said other tasks as assigned by management. <laughs> That's a scary right? one. Yeah. <laughs> like 95% of my job was that. And so if you wake up every day surprised by what your list of deliverables are, it's really difficult to get great at your job. Mm -hmm. If you go to work every day, great at your job, because those things are clearly defined and you're working your tail off to hit that out of the park every day, it's much easier to move up in an organization, you know, get compensated well, um, you know, feel like you're contributing to the growth of the company, et cetera. And so that's where I start the conversation with those two components for sure. Hmm. Yeah, the core values is such a big one. And we have, we started that journey years ago. And we started with three, um, professionalism, empathy, and drive. And then we eventually added a fourth one, gratitude. So those are the four, and we say get pegged. So professionalism, empathy, drive, and gratitude. And uh, that, sorry, I got that backwards, gratitude and drive. And um, that is such a, a decisive moment for us in how we know how to not only onboard people, but deal with the people that are currently here. And we can talk about that and we frequently do in our trainings and, and just in regular conversation about, you know, the, are we, are we actually hitting these values? Are we living up to these values and we celebrate them and we bring up examples of them to the, to the group. And we, that's what we try to live by. Yeah. We hire, fire, promote, demote and reward based off of the core, the four core values. That's perfect. That's perfect. And where, where that gets really exciting is when the people on the front lines are holding one another accountable to exhibiting those core values. Right. And, and, and that takes quite a bit of pressure off the people who own and run the business. And it, it, you know, I, I, I was, I, I, I'm very achievement oriented. I'm super competitive. And so I've always wanted to be the most valuable member of any team I've been a part of. And what used to frustrate me more than anything else is when I felt like the people who weren't driven and, and, and weren't, you know, great fits for our culture and weren't performing at a very high level seemed to get treated as well or better than I was getting treated. And so for your, your listeners out there who are superstars in their organizations and they're frustrated that the owners and leaders and managers aren't demanding that everybody else perform like a superstar, 
it's kind of like being a, you know, long-time star on a professional sports franchise. I happen to be from Northeastern Ohio, lifelong Cleveland Browns fan. And now I'm in the Twin Cities and, you know, point to the Timberwolves uh, for the last 15 years. It's very disappointing to be a great contributor on an average or below average team. And Mm. so that's one of the things that EOS would help uh, your organization fix uh, is clarifying what kind of people will help you win a championship, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to a Detroit Lions fan like myself with uh, poor Barry Sanders and uh, Calvin Johnson. and Literally the entire NFL feels like an underperforming team because of the Lions. So thank you for that. That's right. I knew you were competitive already, uh, Peyton, just by the fact that I'm looking at the physical uh, traction library right now and i noticed that your book get a grip is the biggest book in the library <laughs> yes it is yes it is yes it is and uh and and i'm i'm working with a co-author lisa gonzalez on the uh an upcoming book that it's it's about the process component yeah so and our, uh, uh, that, oh, sorry go ahead that will not be the biggest book in the traction library because process is already a scary uh a topic to buy a book for if it's super thick it's going to be even worse uh, yeah our, so. our uh, implementer brian white told us that you were working on a book strictly about process and i said cool this will be the one i don't read <laughs> yeah well and and here's the funny part that makes you the visionary and lisa and i are coming for you just so you know <laughs> We are coming for you, and, and, and I want to say to your listeners, if you want to grow and scale a business beyond your own ability to define everything and control everything, you must find passion somewhere in your soul for strengthening the process component because consistency and discipline doesn't happen on its own. It requires passionate leadership. It is hard for people. And, uh, and that's what the book is about, about, about bringing consistency and discipline to your organization without killing its flexibility, its ability to innovate, be creative, and be entrepreneurial. Um, so just know I'm coming for you. Well, I do know that you are a visionary and actually, correct me if I'm wrong, the second visionary in the history of EOS after Gino handed that honor to you. Um, so if, if you're in love with process, I know I can get there. Yeah, and, and for the record, everything I do, EOS implementation, writing Get a Grip, and writing this process book is a form of self-medication. Uh, you teach what you need most, and with process, I'm teaching what I need most. Mm-hmm. So uh, I hope your listeners hear that from a, a an absolutely passionate visionary and and are at least curious to learn more. Well, speaking of what we need most, let's focus in on the leadership side of this thing. So Traction defines two roles within an organization, one known as a visionary and one known as an integrator. Talk to us about what those are and how they impact the business. Yeah, so the visionary of an organization is almost always its founding entrepreneur, the person with the great idea, the unbelievable skill, the will and determination to make it real and to grow it beyond himself or herself. And um, and those people typically also serve as the person who runs the day-to-day 
for some time as an entrepreneurial organization grows. The challenge is that great builders, great inventors, creators, you know, challengers of the status quo often don't like and aren't great at keeping the trains running on time. And the bigger a growing organization gets, the more important it is for the new employees, the broad range of customers, and your vendors to be interacting with an organization where the trains kind of run on time automatically. And so when a company implements EOS, we're working with the leadership team to clarify what the important roles in the business are. And almost always when the founder is in the room, we end up with an accountability chart that has the visionary seat, the integrator seat, and the owners of the other major functions like sales and marketing, operations, and finance on the leadership team. We just need to clarify the roles of all of those leaders, including the visionary and integrator, and make sure Everybody who owns those seats loves to do and is great at the five things we need them to excel at every day to run a great organization. And so that's how we use the accountability chart to clarify those roles. Hmm. Yeah. And, and not only does the visionary integrator relationship exist at the top of the company, it can also exist down through the company where there could be those types of partnerships uh, in, in different departments that play off of each other. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I, what it is very rare for a nine-person team to be comprised of nine people with exactly the same skills and the, exactly the same passions. And so in its very simplest form, it, a nine-person team needs somebody who's a slightly better leader and manager than they are technician and eight technicians right? All we're trying to do with the accountability chart is define exactly what each person on each team needs to be accountable for, for the organization to prosper. And, and it isn't 50 or 70 or 110 people all with the same set of skills and passion. Absolutely. Okay, so Peyton, we're working our way through the different components here. And for our frontline listeners, the first one that we started off was with vision. You know, there needs to be a good vision in the company. There needs to be core values. There needs to be a direction. Everybody needs to be going and rowing in the same direction. So we're going to the same place. And that is established upon the people that are in the organization. How are they functioning? Do they know their accountabilities and their role? Do they uh, live up to the core values that the company has established? Are they also rowing in the same direction? Um, and are people being you know, promoted and engaged upon all those things that are together? The next one is data. Now, uh, I got to say, uh, for some of our technicians, they're extremely data-oriented. They love technical stuff. They love looking at diagrams. Uh, and that, you know, that just that gets them going. And then there's others who are a little less focused on that, more on the relational side, and they enjoy working the, with the customers, and data is, is kind of a bore. So explain to that specific group of people why data matters and how it gets implemented into the EOS system. Yeah, so the, the first thing I always start with is when you strengthen the data component, you're actually running your business on numbers. 
And this can be true for the leadership team, but it can also be true for me, an individual contributor. What I want the individual contributors in the companies listening to this podcast to know is, is there something, some numerical indicator that would tell you you just had a great week? And if there is, I want you to track it every week so that you get a personal signal that you've had a great week, an average week, or a lousy week. And on the weeks where you have a lousy week, maybe you didn't convert enough of your calls to uh, sales, larger sales, or whatever it is, your your customer satisfaction results weren't great, the amount of time it took you to do a repair exceeded the average time that the tech, whatever those things are, if you want to be great at your job, data is a very helpful tool to make you better at your job. The minute you start thinking about data as something that will make you better rather than something that will tell your boss when you're screwing up, this becomes a heck of a lot easier because that, again, is what a championship team does. The, the, the head football coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is spending the day with the coaching team looking at data from the games, not to confront the players because the players are also doing that. Even though Tampa Bay won a great game last night, uh, that they, they are all looking at data because they see it as an opportunity to get better. That's what strengthening the data component is all about. Hmm. I love that, that change of perspective because a lot of times you're right. I do think that people look at data and they say, okay, this is the whipping post of which I will have to stand in front of and, right. and just take it. But it, it's really there to, number one, identify if there are issues that are under the carpet, so to speak, and not being addressed because so many times we just go along not really realizing the sink is shipping. And if somebody would be taking depths, you know, they'd be able to tell us like, hey, we're, we're, this is a problem. You know, things are going wrong here. Alert, alert, alert. And then the other time is like, you know, Oh, great. So now one more thing that I'm measured by, one more thing that I have to get beat up on. So right. that, that and, change and of perspective this, you know, is critical. Yeah, and the analogy I'll give you is um, personal wellness, okay? So, you know, one of my clients checked in a couple quarters ago in the middle of the pandemic, and uh, and we asked for personal good news, and he said, my personal good news is I set a goal to lose 15 pounds during COVID and I only have 23 pounds to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so still the best check-in I've ever heard. And, uh, and, and so if you want to be healthier than you are today, something as simple as stepping on the scale every Sunday morning might be a great way to remind yourself when you've had a great week or a lousy week. And if the only way you measure personal wellness is whether or not you feel healthy, you might be missing something. You might be follow, eating stuff that isn't healthy for you or, or exercising in a way that isn't as productive. You might be doing the work and not getting the results. And so I just I just beg your listeners to embrace the concept that measuring 
activities-based numbers that lead to future results will help you achieve whatever you're trying to achieve. And, and if all your teammates are doing the same things, you're going to be a better team. You're going to get better results collectively, and you're going to be working for a world-class organization pretty quickly. It also takes the bias out of it, right? I mean, if you're looking at just stats, you know, there's no like, oh, you know, this guy likes the Bucks and I like the Bucks, so I like him. There, there's not that type of stuff. We're, we're just simply looking at measurements, and everybody's measuring yeah. the same things. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, you have to let go of a lot of bias. You know, it is it is very easy to feel like numbers tell an unfair story. Well, my clients are more challenging. My customer, the customers I called on, you know, are more challenging than the customers some my com- competing techs are calling on and all of those things. But at the end of the day, it, data has a tendency to be the great neutra- neutralizer. Mm-hmm. In other words, it all evens itself out over time. So if you can avoid getting all caught up in each week's worth of data or what happened on a specific call and just use data as a general tool to get better every week, man, it frees you to live a great life. Yeah. And it always kind of confounds me, you know, why does Tiger Woods have a golf coach? Why does LeBron James have a basketball coach? Why do these top performers have somebody or something in their life to indicate, uh, you know, a, a dip in performance? Well, it's because even there, it's needed. So data can be valuable yep. even if you are performing at a top level because you can always look at that one more thing, that next level. Yeah, I look at I look at LeBron James pregame ritual. If you've ever seen that in a in a you know run up to a game, he's there with his personal trainer doing all kinds of flexibility, agility, and core strength exercises before every game. He's not there by himself doing it. And certainly if I had the skills of somebody like LeBron James, I'd definitely be tempted to just show up every day, feel like I'm better than most people, and and go on my own. But there he is with his coach doing the basic activities-based things he knows he needs to do to compete at the highest level for the longest possible time. It's very inspiring. I agree with you. Okay, Peyton. So the next component is issues. And this is one of those inevitable things, right? No matter how good your organization seems like it's running, no matter how smooth the ship seems to be sailing, there is always issues. You used a term earlier in the podcast about smoking them out. And that comes directly from the book and from the implementation. Explain what that means and why the issues component is so critical. Yeah, you know, one of the things we talk about is that when the vision, people, and data components in your organization are strong, it becomes a a transparent company. There's no place for your issues to hide. All the little impurities tend to become visible. And, And most of us are so busy and so overwhelmed that we would prefer, quite frankly, to not know about all these. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the first thing we have to do is we have to change the culture of an organization to strengthen the data component. If you've ever had a conversation with one of the people that report to you, or if any of the frontline contributing uh, people in listening to the podcast 
hear me say this, and they've ever gone to their boss and started the conversation with a don't shoot the messenger but. Mm. What they're saying, because there's always a little truth to sarcasm, what they're saying is, I'm about to share an issue with you, and I'm afraid you're going to shoot me. Okay? That is fear. And people are afraid to say, I don't know how to do my job. I'm being confronted with a challenge I don't know how to overcome. The customers are becoming more difficult. This customer is upset, et cetera. It is scary to bring those issues to the surface in most organizations. And so we've got to fix that by celebrating the people on your team who are willing to speak up when they know things aren't perfect. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to teach people in the trenches how to solve their own issues as they arise. Otherwise, the leadership team or the owner is going to have to solve all the issues. And so what we teach is a discipline called IDS, identify, discuss, and solve. Identify means get to the real root of the issue. What's really causing this issue? Because a lot of times we have a tendency to talk about symptoms, not real root causes. Right. Once the real issue is clear, the discussion is very brief with no politicking. We say it once because more than once is politicking. And then when the discussion gets redundant and we're having a conversation about an issue, we work to solve it as quickly as we can, which simply means the team agrees on a plan that they believe will make the issue go away forever. That requires a decision. And it requires we take action and we always record the action with a specific owner who's accountable for following through so that we're confident we've solved the issue and we can move on to the next issue. That's how we strengthen the traction or the issues component in, uh, in every level of your organization. Okay, Peyton. So I'm a, I'm a plumber and, you know, I'm getting frustrated about I keep showing up to calls and the homeowner is not there. This is an mm -hmm. issue. It's a waste of my time. It's a waste of the company's gas. And, you know, I drove all the way out here for nothing. I can't get any revenue for the company. I can't, uh, you know, make any, any personal bonuses or those types of things. I have an issue. What do I do with it? Yeah. So in an EOS company, what you do is you're in a regular meeting with your fellow tech and the person you all report to on a weekly basis and you raise your hand and you say, I've got an issue. The homeowners are not present a growing percentage of the time on my call. And that gets on an issues list and you and your team IDS that issue. And you might tweak your departmental scorecard or your team's scorecard to start measuring that. So you can confront the leadership team or the dispatch person or, or whoever needs to work with you to solve that issue. And you might end up changing a process. You might find that somebody's not doing their job, whatever the root cause of that issue is. And you might find that your customers have all gone crazy during the pandemic and they're just not keeping their commitments <laughs> to their service tech yeah. uh, the way. But somehow you're going to smoke out the real root cause of that issue and you're going to feel like the organization is working together with you to solve problems that are holding you back. 
that is one of the major advantages of a system for solving issues being present in your organization. Now, speaking of changing processes, which is something that you mentioned as a possible solution for an issue, that is the next component, process. And this is something that I I will be very forthright in stating to you is difficult, or at least we have found it to be one of the most challenging things to implement the whole way down through the organization. We can come up with a killer process on paper, something that looks beautiful, but then actually getting it to shoe leather so that it works every single time has just been a challenge. So dive into the process component for us. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the first part of strengthening the process component is agreeing on what your handful of core processes are, because quite frankly, not everything in your business needs to be systemized. There are lots of things your techs do during a call where you're counting on their independent judgment, their technical skills, their creative problem solving, et cetera. We're not systemizing that. We're systemizing the steps in the process that need to be done the right and best way every time, okay? And so you first have to identify the list of things you want to do that for. Then you document and simplify the major steps in each of those core processes. And then while you're done with half the challenge, you've only completed about 10% of the work because as you correctly said, 90% of the work is getting your core processes followed by all. Now, where a lot of the pushback from visionaries comes from on the process component is followed by all sounds like you're trying to build a company full of mindless robots that blindly do things exactly the same way every time. And that's not at all what we're talking about. What we're talking about is building a machine where when you two go to bed at night, you're confident that either everybody in your organization did the most important stuff the right and best way every time, or the people they report to, or the leadership team, or both, know about it and can react to it. And so there are four things we teach to help you get processes followed by all. Number one, training. Have you properly trained everybody who touches at least one step in the process? And in your organization, I know you use the apprenticeship approach for training, which is a fabulous approach to training people because you pair a newer tech with somebody who's more experienced. Most organizations don't invest anywhere near that much time and energy on training. And so I applaud that approach uh, very aggressively. Mm -hmm. The second thing you got to do is you've got to measure whether or not people are following the processes, doing it often enough to get the desired result, and getting the desired outcome. And so that's where the data component comes back in. If your data component isn't strong, process can help you because once the steps in each process are clear, you have a better idea of what leading indicators you can measure that will predict future results. And so if you're measuring compliance, frequency, and outcome around your core processes, you can do the third thing in the FBA checklist really well, which is equip your supervisors, team leaders, and managers with data that says, 
these six techs are hitting it out of the park every day, and these six need a little coaching, mentoring, and redirection in order to get consistently exceptional results. And so that's the importance of LMA, Leadership Management and Driving Accountability, or leading and managing. That's really critical. And then the fourth thing most entrepreneurial companies forget is to regularly update their core processes because we're in a fast moving time with technology changing things every day. And you're in a business where the parts you rely on and the code in, in you know, for, for residential construction and commercial construction in your community may be changing regularly. If you're not dusting off your core processes regularly, and making sure they're updated and streamlined and rendered more efficient, you're missing an opportunity to be a great organization. So that's how we get the processes followed by all. And you'll be left behind. You'll just be left behind in this industry. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, look, what if you uh, ran a taxi cab company 10 years ago before Uber and Lyft existed? Right. Maybe looking at your process for how customers hail a cab in a city other than Chicago and New York might have been a good idea. Yeah, so I'll give uh, an example of uh, one of our proven processes here. So this is just a very high level one, but uh, basically our customers call in and when they call in, they get one of our customer service reps and they go through an entire process on their own. And when they wrap up that process, we should have everything from understanding the customer's needs to setting a qualified appointment to uh, talking about any fees or any upfront uh, 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 cost associated with that appointment. And then it gets transferred over to the dispatcher who then appropriately assigns this call to a specific tech based upon geography and skill set and uh, various other factors involved. And then when the tech gets into the home, he has his own process as well where he's going through things like how he pulls up to the house and how he invites himself into the home, what he discusses with the client in the home, and then what the process of actually like understanding what's broken, what needs fixed, what needs addressed, uh, bringing that to the client so they can understand what's going on, going over options and coming together on a, a conclusive decision as to what we're going to do to alter the problem or to fix it and remedy it. And then, you know, payment and and details and notes and invoicing and all that from there. So like we've do, we've dove into that and we've trained on that and we continue to do so and we have found that those fundamentals, that core process of each one of those people, the CSR, the dispatcher and the technician, giving them that system is it's empowering because they have something to build off of. That's exactly what we're talking about and then when something breaks or a customer's upset or, or a, an employee didn't achieve their deliverables for the week, then you can look at it and say either the process wasn't followed consistently or the quality of the execution within the process wasn't done as well as it could. And you, you start to understand where you can make a positive difference as a leader and manager. A lot of what EOS is, is a technique for getting more bang for your buck with every minute you're spending as a leader and manager. Because in most entrepreneurial companies, you don't have the luxury like somebody at a big corporation does where you have a bunch of minions bring you decisions to make every day. We all have day jobs. 
<laughs> and we've got to figure out how to lead and manage between the margins. And that's what we're trying to do with the process component is give you information that helps you quickly decide what broke down so you can go fix that rather than wondering whether it's people, process, the stupid competition, your customers not being cooperative, all that wasted energy trying to control stuff you can't control gets a heck of a lot easier when your process and data components are strong. Yeah, we've been trying to hire for minions for years now, uh, but the, <laughs> the Indeed posting just isn't going well. So. <laughs> Uh, that's I, that's good. When you figure that out, let me know. I would like a whole cadre of minions. <laughs> hey, we got one left here, Peyton. It is the traction component. That's the title of the big book. So tell us about that one. Yeah. So here's the fun part. I love when I talk about traction in a room full of entrepreneurs. And I say, you know, traction is how we bring discipline and accountability to the organization so everybody's executing on your vision with with real discipline and and, and real accountability and and then I'll see people sort of nodding confidently and you know get, get making that nonverbal yes that's what I need and so what I like to do is I'll ask the visionaries in the room hey just out of curiosity how many of you just heard me say that and thought that's exactly what everybody else in my company needs to get better at discipline and accountability and and again I'm coming for you because in most organizations the leadership team needs to be more focused more disciplined and more accountable and model the kind of discipline and accountability it expects from everybody in the organization in order to drive discipline and accountability down into the organization. Most leadership teams have too much vision, not a lack of vision. They're all trying to do slightly different things well, and so they tend to sign up for too much. They make more promises than they're able to keep, and as a result, it sets a tone for the organization where not quite getting everything done that you committed to last week, last month, or last quarter is okay as long as you worked hard and suffered a little bit. Mm. And so when we use rock and a meeting post to sign up for the right amount of stuff and push it over the finish line every week, month, or quarter with real discipline and accountability, it's, it's, more about focus and saying no and prioritizing well and then keeping those priorities on track week in and week out, quarter in and quarter out that drive discipline and accountability at the leadership level and gradually down into the organization until everybody in the company is operating in a 90-day world executing on your vision with discipline and accountability. And that's the exciting part of this work because, you know, I can't tell you how many business owners have talked to me at the beginning of their journey saying, you know, sometimes Peyton, it feels like we're all spinning their, our wheels or there are some weeks where it feels like the team is actively working against our desire to achieve this vision. And if that's the way you feel, I want your listeners to know it's possible to get you help and your people aren't bad people. They want to help you achieve your vision. They just need a set of tools, clarity of purpose and 
a framework for discipline and accountability that'll help you get what you want from your business. I do, I do love the accountability part and, and I mean, everything you just said there, but the accountability piece um, really sticks out because it's, it's one, it, it can feel dangerous like from a position of, of leadership, it can feel uncomfortable that I'm, am I really going to sign up for something that's going to not give my people more accountability, but give me more accountability. But there's an exercise in EOS that, that um, I think went a long way to make us understand it and make it a little bit easier. And I happened to be on both, both sides as Nate did of, of that exercise, which was the one thing um, at the, at the two day annual offsite. So, so you look at Nate and I would look at the two owners of the business as, as we're senior leadership team uh, members, but not owners, we would look at the two owners of the business and we would say, here's one thing that you have to either start doing more of or stop doing for this business to be more successful and hit its goals for this year. You have to look at your boss <laughs> and say, here's one thing that you have to do and then on the flip side of that, we would go meet with our uh, teams and, and we'd be in a room full of managers and supervisors and we have to be, we have to accept the fact that they are going to look at us now and, and tell us one thing that we have to start or stop doing. With the last few minutes, can you go a little bit into that process? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, you know, at the core of EOS, and in my opinion, what should be at the core of the way every business runs, whether you run on EOS or not, is the ability for the people in every team to tell one another the truth, even when it hurts. And to do that with love and caring and empathy, but with an expectation that we're on a team of people trying to get better. And so the one thing exercise is just one of many opportunities to do that where we invite one another to give us positive and constructive feedback so that we can hear from our teammates, our peers, our subordinates, and our manager what we can get better at next year to make the team better and the business better. Um, the other thing where I thought you might go with this is I think the only magic in EOS is that Gino was really smart in enforcing leaders to confront the reality of their situation verbally on a weekly and quarterly basis. And so when you're meeting with one another and you've committed to a to-do, which is a seven-day action item in last week's meeting, we actually ask you to say done or not done out loud in front of your teammates. And when I began participating in weekly meetings as a member of the EOS implementer community a hundred years ago, saying not done to a to-do or off track on an important number or not done to a rock at the end of the quarter felt awful. And, and I didn't need any of my teammates to tell me that I needed to do better because I was getting that personal feedback emotionally of feeling like a failure, like I let my team down. And so that's one of the things that EOS brings is visibility to every important commitment in the organization. And, and it's very difficult not to own results when you're operating in an entrepreneurial company running on EOS. 
that's what I love about it the most. And I'm glad you're recognizing that in your own iteration. It's really important. Well, Peyton, I know we got to bring things to an end here. It's been so good to hear from you and dive into each one of these components. I have two final questions for you. One is the easy one. How can people learn more about you, learn more about the uh, the EOS system? Where's the best resource for them to to find that? Yeah, we at EOS Worldwide, we've tried to make this as easy as possible. So EOSWorldwide.com. And then if you search for implementers using my name, last name P-A-T-O-N, you will find me quite easily right there. Great. Okay, and then the last one for you here is, what if I'm part of an organization that doesn't employ EOS and I'm a frontline employee? Can I bring this to my my boss? Like, what can I do to help implement something like this in an organization that I'm not currently leading? Yeah, so, um, yes, and the, the books in the Traction Library are designed to spread the idea of EOS. Um so that people feel like it's accessible and easy to master and so on and so forth. So I'd urge your listener to go to the EOS Worldwide website and maybe start by grabbing a copy of Traction or there's a even simpler book, What the Heck is EOS, is a, is a great, you know, quick primer and start familiarizing yourself with the techniques and, and topics and then maybe hand your copy of Traction to your boss or the owner and see if you might not light a fire uh, that that brings EOS to your organization is probably the best way to do it. I, I would even add that just starting with Get a Grip is probably a good way because it, it tells a story of a, of a team that that goes from kind of chaotic and not in traction to a, to a team that would be. And it's a, it's a it, I don't know, we, for myself, maybe that's the way I learn better, but just hearing a story I, of it is, is very, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it's, it's so great that you said that because that's the reason Gino and I were both passionate about writing a business fable is there are a lot of entrepreneurs who learn experientially and not so much from a how-to manual. And so if you're if you're working for somebody who's that kind of person, a visionary entrepreneur, get a grip might be a great read for them for sure. Awesome. Well, Peyton, it has been a privilege to have you on our show today. Thanks so much for all that you're doing. Thank you for what you've done to our organization in being a part of the U.S. system. It's working out so well for us, and we really encourage others to also check that out and dig into it. It has so many lasting benefits, and we're continuing to feel those today. So thanks so much for being with us today, Peyton. It was a great pleasure. I appreciate you guys and applaud the work you're doing. Say hi to my good friend, Brian White. He's great at what he does. <laughs> you know we will. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, Peyton. Thanks. You too. Hey, we hope you enjoyed that podcast. It was such a deep dive into something that is so complicated and yet so efficient at what it does. If you don't know what EOS or the traction system is, you are really missing out. It has done such good things to our organization. We're not paid to say that. We didn't get any type of kickback for having Peyton on the show today. We just really believe in this method and think that it is such a good way to operate your system and it has been such uh, such a benefit to us and our employees uh, in the way that we do business here that we just wanted to talk about it and promote it. 
If you want to learn more about that, make sure you check out the EOS Worldwide website. Uh, or if you're just interested in learning about how to better handle people, data, uh, processes, any of those things, even if you don't implement the entire system, there's still such richness in each one of those components. It's worth a check. For the rest of you who are enjoying working on the front lines, answering those phones, billing those invoices, and anything else in the trades, we want to thank you for what you do on a weekly basis. It's so appreciated and so needed in our world today to have good working people serving those around us. So thank you for what you do. We appreciate you. And we want to encourage you to make sure that you're choosing every single morning to wake up and waste no day.